You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. Today, I feel a little bit like a mad scientist because I have two friends with me who haven't really met each other who are going to be talking about a game I have never played. So, Tori and Callan, welcome to the Mass Effect podcast episode. Yay! Yay. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, nothing. (laughs) Nothing whatsoever. And uh, spoiler warning, as always, there will be spoilers talked about. And probably multiple spoilers, because the fun part about this game is there are multiple paths you can take. So before we get into all of that, uh, Callan, I believe you have a very nice summary of what the Mass Effect games are about. Yes. So um, the Mass Effect trilogy, as we're calling it now, it's a collection of three science fiction role-playing games um, that were uh, released. Uh, The first Mass Effect game was released in 2007. Mass Effect 2, the sequel, was released in uh, 2010. And then Mass Effect 3 uh, came out a couple years later in early 2012. And there's been other things that have been built around this universe, but that's the core trilogy of games that started this out. So the concept of the games, to set up the, the premise before the story a little bit, is it's a role-playing game. So you play as the young uh, Commander Shepard in the Human Alliance um, Space Navy. You can play as a male, you can play as a female, and you can make different decisions that will have a ripple effect throughout the story. It's a choose or influence your own story sort of setup there. So in the trilogy... Uh, or in the first game, Shepard discovers the impending return of a race of sentient machines known as the Reapers, which arrive every 50,000 years in the Milky Way galaxy to harvest and destroy most all organic life. And in Mass Effect, Shepard and their crew discover, hunt down, and destroy a flagship Reaper named Sovereign, preventing it from warping in the entire Reaper fleet to a wide galaxy that's largely unaware of their existence. In Mass Effect 2, Shepard assembles a strike team to investigate the Collectors, a thrall race to the Reapers, after learning of their attacks and abductions against human colonies following Sovereign's destruction. And in the process, they take out the Collector home base at the center of the Milky Way galaxy and once again delay the Reapers' imminent arrival into the system. Finally, in Mass Effect 3, the Reapers arrive, and the ending chapter encompasses the entire galactic war effort to bring an end to their reign. And while player choices will determine the details of the conclusion to this war, the trilogy ends with the Reaper threat being brought to a final close. Shepard's fate is somewhat ambiguous, as the rest of the galaxy is left to rebuild their worlds, but they are freed from the Reaper's cycle. So, launching in... I think one thing that's nice about having Callan on today is that I have never been able to bring myself to do a Renegade playthrough of the games. (laughs) As he mentioned, you have the option to kind of shape the choices that your shepherd makes and a lot of the dialogue choices. And I just can't bring myself to be mean to a lot of the, (laughs) especially to the crew that you're working with. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So do you want to explain for people who might not have played this kind of game what 
a renegade run through and a, I believe you say it's Paladin. Paragon. Paragon sorry. Paladin wouldn't, wouldn't be inaccurate. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a pretty good description. I mean, if you're looking for a, a word to compare, that's actually gonna that's gonna be it. To explain, you know, what it would you know, renegade paragon. In role-playing games, you know, like Mass Effect, you're typically given, you know, you can you you can choose the fate, the future of your character. And a typical component of that is, you know, are you gonna make good choices or bad choices? Are you gonna be a good guy or going to be a bad guy? To illustrate this, the developers of Mass Effect Bioware, prior to this, they were known for Knights of the Old Republic, which was, you know, a Star Wars game set in the Old Republic long, long, long before any of the any of the nine movies. And in that, you know, the basic system was, okay, are you going to choose to be, you know, a a Sith? Are you going to go down the dark side? Or are you going to be a Jedi and, and pick the light? And most morality systems are basically going to be that. What sort of character are you going to be? You're going to be good, you're going to be bad. In Mass Effect, this same system was the Paragon or the Renegade system, which you could make, you know, Paragon or good choices or Renegade more edgy decisions. It wasn't truly a good or evil system usually the idea would be more like think of it instead of you know you've got uh luke skywalker who in star wars who you know he's a he's a pure of heart jedi and then you have a rogue like han solo i think the yeah, idea you got your true would, neutrals your neutral goods yeah and you 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 might be a bit of a jerk but you're not necessarily <laughs> being evil um, and so that was where, instead of a, a you know a light and dark duality, that was more what Mass Effect tried to do. Because at the end of the day, you could not you know choose to be evil and bring about the end of the galaxy with the Reapers. No, you fought them. But it was what sort of flavor are you going to be, and what's what's your person going to be? So when we talk about Paragon and Renegade, that's what we're referring to. It's the nature of the choices that you leaned into. Yeah, you're going to save the galaxy, but how much of a jerk are you going to be about it? Yeah, and I'm with Corey. You know, I, I loved being the good guy. And, and mostly in games, I love playing as, you know, the hero, the good guy. That's just what I'm drawn to. Um, there is, I think, something to be said for, you know, maybe some edgier characters. But even there are some games out there, not not really Mass Effect, but there are other games where, yeah, you want to be a Sith, be a Sith. And me, I'm like, but I don't want to. <laughs> I really don't like that. I mean, their powers are cool, but I don't like killing people. <laughs> yeah, fair. Apparently, Bioware, when they first released Mass Effect 3, they did a study on which kind of which playthrough uh, option people took and found that something like 97% of players went with the Paragon playthrough. And they released like it. a little statement saying, hey, we, we put a lot of work into the Renegade one, too, if you could please check it out. I mean, they did. <laughs> In games where you can like choose your own fate, there's like there are times even for me, I don't necessarily want to play, you know, as a, a goody two shoes. Sometimes, you know, playing as the good guy can almost feel a bit like a Mary Sue, if, if that mm -hmm. makes sense from a storytelling side. And you want to play someone who's maybe you know, unconventional. They follow their own rules. They're a bit of a, you know, a bit of a wild card. But that doesn't mean that I want to, you know, be mean to everyone. I just want to be my own person. And I think part of the thing is games as an industry are still working out, you know, 
what does that look like? What do we do? Because yeah, before, yeah, it, it definitely tapped into be a good guy, be a bad guy. But now there's more player interest in, well, what if I want something that's in between, that's more nuanced? And to their credit, I think in in the development of the Mass Effect trilogy, there are some really excellent moments that are memorable, but are not the paragon, not the the the, the good guy uh, way of doing things. But I think oh, Paragon as a whole, it felt better. I think it had an identity. I think uh, when they were crafting, okay, this is the world we're creating. This is how we make arcs. I think for, for the writers, they had a really good idea of what a Paragon Shepherd looked like. I think Renegade was this interesting experiment where, okay, maybe there's a splash of bad, but maybe not fully bad. And it had a bit of an identity crisis. There's some inconsistencies in mm -hmm. how the Renegade character can come across, where you can be a Renegade who, you know, is just incredibly harsh to everyone around you, or you could be straight up xenophobic. And mm. there, there's like at least one conversation pathway where you can have you can be playing a very xenophobic shepherd who then turns around and goes off on someone else for being xenophobic. Yeah, it was, and it's just this bizarre moment. Right, role playing games are so different than oh, yeah. games that have a set established storyline. Like if you compare Mass Effect two to you know say Halo, which was very straightforward. Well, I was just like there was a fallen order. Oh, Jedi Fallen Order is a, a wonderful game. That's it's so, so good. good. But it's yeah, it is cool. a it is a set story. I heard a friend once describe it as uh, one of the best Star Wars films he's seen in a long time. <laughs> and that's Fallen Order. That's kind of it's yeah. true though. It's that that's oh, yeah that that that's a whole other other subject podcast. for another I still day. Need to play that but yeah, that, yeah, I was doing that at the same time as Mass Effect and kind of having a weird moment of oh, I feel like I'm looking over Cal Kestis's shoulder. I feel like I'm making Shepard's decisions. Um, right, exactly. Games are, are such a huge medium right now, and there's all sorts of different flavors, you know, this, this, this hunger for stories. And why people love RPGs like Mass Effect is because, you know, we, we love the set stories, but there really is this appeal that you can only get in games where I want to decide my fate. That You know, you're saying I'm choosing one of three paths. Well, the creators of the game have made all those paths, so it looks like you're making an influence, but they've determined every single part of it. I think I remember reading when after Mass Effect 1 and 2 moving into 3, when they were trying to bring together this vision of, you know, all of these the, these stories, all of these choices, all of these moments leading to a final conclusion, I think I heard there were about some big, some really, really small, a thousand different possible interaction flags. Like if you oh, did this or didn't do that, moving into 3. So they set themselves oh. up for this huge thing that... Well, how are they going to deliver? I really think all things considered, even though three did have it, I don't think it delivered the way everyone was hoping it to be. I still think despite its flaws, it's an amazing trilogy because they really did land a lot of the decisions in a way that some of them uh, maybe maybe weren't so satisfying in whole, but others, there's moments and interactions from the whole trilogy that I still think about because they absolutely Fair. nailed the world crafting. For people who are already familiar with Mass Effect, they might already be kind of like side-eyeing their phone, like, are they going to talk about the ending of ME3? Yes. Um, for people who aren't familiar, part of why it's controversial is in this world where so many different things were impacted or altered by your choices, 
even something as simple as, you know, whether you talked to a friend at the hospital when they were in like a side corridor and then later on that impacts something. Despite all of that, it really felt for many people like it boiled down to three, pick a filter, you know, pick a color filter to go over your ending um, in the initial mm. release. Personally, I play with the DLC and the Legendary Edition has kind of added this sort of extended ending and, you know, canonized that. But there was frustration over the fact that, hey, this feels like I should be seeing more results of my choice um, or various choices through the game. Personally, and again, this was with all of the DLC. I was playing it years after the release. I really enjoyed it. That That's not to say that, you know, I don't want more and I don't want to have, yes, Shepard definitely lives and then retires to the Bahamas or something. <laughs> the um, hero's <laughs> ending. The, the, the conclusion to the yeah. hero's journey, yeah. Yeah, no, that would, that would as, uh, as fun as I think that would be for me, and you'll hear plenty of people online with, well, my shepherd would have just taken their love interest and, you know, skipped to a different galaxy, or, well, mine wouldn't have gotten in this position in the first place. Um, at a certain point, you do have to go with what the developers have offered you, and for the amount of options that they gave, I'm really, I kind of feel like I would have a hard time justifying asking for more than they gave because Agreed. I'm incredibly impressed with these. Agreed. I th I remember I discovered it in college and of the three Mass Effect 2, I think is the best. I think that had the best writing, the best characters, the best setup, even though it it was kind of like an Ocean's 12. I heard in space that I heard people. Oh, discuss. yeah. And I'm it like, does have that yeah, feel. you're collecting this motley crew of people to go on this suicide mission to the center of the galaxy to take on. It's a great story. Three, I, I remember just like waiting for a release and then playing it and feeling whelmed. I guess is the word that I would use. <laughs> See, I would probably lean more the other way, where I enjoyed ME2, like, extremely. Oh, when uh, when the credits ended, and then it's like, oh, is there anything else you wanted to do? I'm like, that's an option? I can do that? I, oh, oh, yeah, man. I know. Oh, the, um, the, I was, like, skipping. And this is part of what I loved about the Mass Effect trilogy, and indeed, like, RPG games in general is mm -hmm. we can all relate to like, you know, the story of the Reapers and Shepard, but we each had our own individual playthrough. Like this was my experience. This is my Shepard. We use that term all the time. Like in my yeah. head, I have my Shepard, you know, my name, my, my, my class, how I played the different missions, the love interest oh, that same. I take in. And to me, like that is my Shepard, but other players have a very different one. It's this, different but sh very personal and shared experience which is part of what the magic of gaming is but i think mass effect as a trilogy really despite flaws that it had it nailed that so well and i think that's why so many people love the trilogy so much because of how much it did right oh i completely agree but i would say that as much as i enjoyed mass effect 2 part of it could be that i wasn't waiting for me 3 it had already been released so i didn't have any hype Oh. I really loved the third game. I That's really enjoy it. I like the global politicking and random bits of diplomacy and trying to gather up the resources. That I enjoyed Mass Effect 2, but it almost felt more like a collection of vignettes to me. But like a really Agreed. delightful one. In retrospect, 2 almost felt kind of like a side quest being the main show because in mass effect one mm. you know you learn about the you know there's the reapers and there's all this and there's these big machines like coming to harvest the galaxy and in two you're like 
okay, there's this racist abducted humans. Go get them. Yeah, exactly. And go, moment, go, and also you don't have a team, so go get that. And get well, that. actually, spoiler alert: I you you die. <laughs> yes, that was I, 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 okay. I, I, it's the beginning oh. of a game. Your your character that you know you because you can import your safe for Mass Effect One. Oh yeah, and we yeah yeah yeah. Then yeah. to see your character just die in the depths of space after you know making one or two brief decisions in the first fifteen <laughs> minutes of the game is just wild to me. I, I I showed Kendra the opening to Mass Effect Two, because after the first game, you know, you do the impossible. You defeat a Reaper. You save all of. You know, the galaxy, all these, after you see all these fantastic races, you go to these fantastic planets, all of these really cool characters in this adventure, and you end the story like at the top of the hero's journey, triumphant. And Mass Effect 2 comes in and immediately brings you back down to Earth. I think that's why for me, even though 2 feels like a bit of a side quest because Mass Effect 1 is all about the Reapers, <laughs> then Mass Effect 2, all right, get a team and do the suicide mission, and then 3, oh, the Reapers are here. But with two, I think the the structure of the story, the development of the Mass Effect Two was all about the characters. Mass Effect yes. One and Three was about like this great galactic conquest, kind of like the 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 galactic um, a politicking Corey that you talked about. Yeah. But I loved two because it took the world that the first game had built, which we'll probably get into a bit. I love the Mass Effect universe. I think oh, it's fantastic. I think it is on par with Star Wars or Star Trek in terms of how it has developed the the galactic politics, the the way they've crafted the races and the lore and the the rules by which the universe functions is so 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 good. And Mass oh, Effect I love 2 me took, some lore. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Mass Effect Two took this world and it doubled down on what I think its strength was, which was the cast the characters and it just did a deep dive into that maybe the story felt a bit like a sideshow but the characters are what you remember and it was so good that's fair i've run into that where you know i'll think oh i'm i really love this character and then i'll go back to the first game and i'm over here going oh actually the entire cast as far as cast members that are brought from the first to the second there are quite a few that are introduced in the second it's like oh a lot of depth a lot of depth was added to Tally, to Garrus, to Joker Rex. in this. Oh, oh, I love Rex. So oh, and Rex is so um, good. In the second game. <laughs> oh, Where you're just yeah. going, oh, actually, these characters were introduced in the first game. And it's fun because then when you're playing the second, you're like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. I, you know, the classic uh, Thor Ragnarok moment of it's okay. He's a friend from work. Um, that's how I felt when I first saw Garrus. <laughs> And I have right. two Cerberus agents behind me. Oh, it's so true. Oh, it's, but you get you get that added depth. And where have these people been when, you know, you were basically dead and being reconstructed at the beginning of the second game? Yeah, no, oh, it, yeah, it, they, I guess, they did an incredible job. I guess we job. should clarify what happened in two because you die. Um, the, yeah. the basic premise is, yeah, you know, Commander Shepard is, is killed by the collectors. They just come out of nowhere and just flatten flatten Shepard and their crew. The crew escapes, most of them. All the major characters did. There were some side characters that died when the ship went down. Uh, and that you Shepherd have the option to like mourn and collect the dog tags off oh, later. Oh, that was Holy so cow. good. Yeah. What happens is so you're you're just killed over this planet in dark space and Shepard falls, you know, from over to the planet's surface, dead. You wake up two years later after uh, a massive military organization, Cerberus spent two years to resurrect you 
and they do. Well, so Mass Effect 2 took two years. Well, yeah, that's right, paramilitary. Yeah, kind of that's a true. human power group. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they're like, and the reason they did that is, Cerber, you know, when Shepard talked about, you know, the Reapers, most of the galaxy was like, oh, okay, yeah, Reapers machines, great. Kind of, you get, you know, the whole politicking thing going on. But other entities believed Shepard's reports. One of them was this paramilitary org Cerberus, and they decided, hey, Shepard is our best chance at winning. We're going to do everything we can to resurrect them. So it's a bit of science fantasy, not exactly science fiction, but science fiction plays with time and life and death all the time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think as a plot device, though, it, it was something that could have felt very cheap, but I think it worked very, very well because it gave you an enemy that was much bigger than you and it allowed the story to, you know, develop and just move into its, you know, into its next um, phases. I think... Again, when you focus on the characters and some of the world building, it was really good. Yeah, I think another reason why it works well is that this isn't, you know, just a group of objectively good people who no. kind of rescued and brought Shepard back. <laughs> She's in a situation where, okay, sorry, they, um, I've just, Femme Shep is my favorite. I love oh, the same, voice acting. Same. Um, you know, Shepard is in this position where they're brought back by an organization which, in the first game, one of the kind of side missions is you meet someone on the Citadel who asks you to find his team, the human space navy, basically. And he asks you to find a team of his that's gone missing. If you hunt them down and then kind of follow this little breadcrumb trail of clues, you realize that they were... Basically, there was a maw hammer, which for any Dune fans is a bit like um, a bit like the kind of hammers that would summon the, the sandworms. Thresher mm. maws are kind of a similar concept. And it had been placed there. And basically, this Thresher maw then killed the team. You can, you can kind of learn that Cerberus is a pretty brutal organization um, that has tremendous resources. Mm. So... You already have this intro of an organization that can be pretty shady. And now you're in a spot where basically you owe them your life, but don't, depending on how you play your shepherd, don't necessarily want to work with them, but yeah. kind of have to because they'll give you the resources to fight against this bigger threat. This isn't Fellowship of the Ring where you have a lot of good upstanding characters, you know, fighting for this. It's it's a rogues gallery. And throughout the the development of the stories and the world and the characters, you get these glimpses of they all have their own stories. What would it be yeah. like to just explore different parts of the galaxy, like hear their stories? I think you know in a sprawling you know, story development, which is like, I think of, you know, what Star Wars and, and Marvel have in many ways done successfully is there's so many different stories to tell and you want to experience those. And Mass Effect did that so well. They've only had, you know, four games really. But for me, I'm like, I would love to just hear more about this world, see more stories made here because what they've got is, is really interesting. And now it's time for Random Recommendations. On that idea of sprawling lore, if you are looking for more stories set in the Mass Effect universe, either you've played the games or, you know, come across them in some way, I really recommend the podcast Mass Effect Adventum. I would say with a lot of people that if you are an RPG gamer and you're demanding more choices and freedom for your character at a certain point, you should just get into D&D. &D. That is what I did. 
this is basically a D&D 5e campaign set in the Mass Effect universe. And Ooh. it is a delight. They use voice filters, so they sound like the different alien races that the like players are playing. I think I'm just now in season two, so I have a while to catch up on. But I am really enjoying it. I feel like it has enough of the feel of Mass Effect, while at the same time not just being carbon copy crew members. Callan, do you yes. have a random recommendation? Yes. Yeah, so for games, nothing is going to replace actually playing the game itself. That's just the nature true. of the medium. But the second best thing is being able to watch the stories. And so I definitely recommend a YouTube channel by the name of Gamers Little Playground. And they do have a link for the Mass Effect uh, trilogy or the individual Mass Effect, game, Mass Effect games. The concept of the, of the channel is they play through the games, no commentary, so you can watch all of the key interactions and story moments. So if you want to see what the trilogy was like, it is a five-hour um, playthrough, so it's a bit long, but that's the channel I recommend. Every time that I want to, you know, see what a story is like that I don't want to uh, uh, play that game, or I just want to recommend it to someone, just watch this. I think they do a really good job. I've, I've watched their videos and used their videos before, and I think it's really, really good. Easy resource to see. What's this game people are talking about? Go watch. See the story for yourself. I have a question. When we talk about like playing as, you know, oh, my shepherd would do this or that. Uh, Callan, who mm. is your shepherd? My shepherd is Paragon Femshep Garrus. Mine too. Could you guys explain what that means? <laughs> Good it means that I mean, Callan is a man of taste. That's what it means. <laughs> okay. Well, God, I'm, I'm glad that my mad scientist experience is I love is how the two of us are like, oh, yeah, that's totally. No, no. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, side note. Uh, this is one of the things I absolutely love about uh, uh, talking with with gamers is we have our own language and lingo. Like we'll throw out things, you know, like that, and we're like, "Oh yeah, totally." And then this, that, yeah, 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 yeah. And the rest of the world's like, "I don't follow." And we're like, "We know, it's great." Yeah, no. With the Garrus arc, once you get past that uh, first conversation, it's great. Yeah. Okay. So, what Femchep Paragon Garrus? What does that mean? So, Femchep is female shepherd. Again, you can play as male or female shepherd, and and. You so the, uh, both shepherds are fully voiced again. We talked about uh, Jennifer Hale, who's a fantastic voice actor. She's so 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 good. And then male shepherd is voiced by Mark Mir, who I'm not as familiar with his other work. He's good. I like him. I just like uh, uh, personally. I prefer um, Jennifer Hale's performance. But they're both very good. So male shepherd, female shepherd, or fem shep is how uh, we shorthanded yeah. it. Paragon. <laughs> Paragon Renegade and then uh, Garrus. What does that mean? That's the that's the uh, the romance choice. So in the game, there's there's a lot. In, there's a lot. To the point of it being options. to the point of it being um, infamous. I've I've heard this game described as uh, alien dating sim. <laughs> it's it's not inaccurate for me. I which and here's the thing. I don't tend to really like all that in games as much. Like, I love seeing a good romance story, but most of the time in games, well, let's be fair, all media, but especially in games, they really don't do it very well. I'm playing through Mass Effect 3, and I'm, you know, I'm committed to, you know, it, it, I, I, I ship 
Shepard and Garrus, uh, Vicarian. So Garrus is a character in the trilogy, easily one of the best characters. Absolutely oh, love him, his development, his arc, his voice actor, so good. You tend to see the romance moments coming. And Generally, so yeah, they flag them pretty, yeah, pretty fast. Yeah, and and so there was this moment in Mass Effect 3 where, you know, the different, at different points in the story, they open up for you to choose, like, different romance paths. If you've played enough games, you know, okay, this is basically what's happening now. They're opening this up. And there's this moment where, as Femship, without even, I was just trying to interact with characters, and I'm suddenly hit oh, with, like, no. three other characters trying to, you know, to, to, to flirt a proposition with me. I'm like, no, that's not Wait, what's was that? this ME3? ME3. So, oh, because I just hit a Paragon option at one point, and suddenly there's a lady in my shower, and I'm like, I am not interested, man. Oh, oh Sam Trainer, Yeah, that happened. Oh, I know. I'm like, how dare you just make yourself <sighs> this much at home? I actually, I reloaded a save on that one, because I'm like, I was just hitting Paragon mindlessly. I, I was just, it's <laughs> this moment where I'm like, no, I'm just trying to understand the character. I invited you to play chess. Right, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want this to be well then like immediately after so you know you have Diana Allers uh the reporter oh, yeah. she then yep. was the next one that came up and I'm like oh no not again oh yeah I remember oh you're right you're right yeah no yeah. We're, we're all of a sudden you're like why wait, what, is uh, why, uh, why yeah why <laughs> right it's it, it was this moment where I'm like okay I actually had this brief thought I'm like did something in my save file get corrupted? Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure I'm committed to garrison this. Why yeah. is all of this happening? We had the whole one Turian kind of woman discussion, surely, at this Well, the point. thing is, that finally happened at the end. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Now now we're committed to this. Okay. <laughs> where that where he comes up at that moment. Although that, I love the interaction because. Oh, it's so interaction good. Where he, oh, so there's this this interaction where you 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 hang out with Garrus of Vicarian and male shepherd, female shepherd. It's one of the best scenes in three, where where you're mm -hmm. you're shooting the shots and every good player misses the shot on purpose. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm with you. One. I actually took the shot, felt a little bad, and went back at one. I, point. Uh, <laughs> everyone <Just> <laughs> is a is a bro to Garrus, absolutely. Plus, his line to the end is just so. I'm Garrus Vicarian, and this is now this is my, my favorite, favorite spot on the Citadel. Oh, it's like it's such yes. a good line. But I love that scene when when he's the love interest because at the start, you know, he's like, "Hey, let's let's go hang out, do something," and Shepard's like. Wow, it doesn't involve reapers. That's you know, what are we gonna do? Yeah. Read poetry just, to a Hanar? And he's like, <laughs> you're just drinking beer, throwing. I know, drinks, and know. he's just like, well, look, if these are our last days, I really don't plan on going out by saying this one smells like a flower. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh my gosh, the Hanar! I, guys, you just gotta watch her play these, please. Oh my it's, gosh, Hanar really... poetry, Hanar Shakespeare's classic. And this is part of why I love Mass Effect 3 is I was doing a complete playthrough during the pandemic. Mm. And, you know, I was kind of taking a break from the doom scrolling to then switch over to news of a different universe where it's like, oh, yes. And, you know, tons of humans are dying. And I'm like, oh, got you. Um, mm. And the kind of attitude in three when people are like, hey, how are you holding up? And it's like, you know, I'm doing the best I can. 
Um, yeah. There's just this beautiful conversation. I love having the Turian Primarch on the ship. Some of the conversations you oh, have with Victus. Oh, God, when he loses as his son. There's a moment where you're saying, hey, my thoughts are with Palavin, the Turian planet. And he just says, and mine with Earth. And that's oh. how the conversation ends. But I love that moment. I love this kind of idea of... And where the global politicking comes in for me, but of these different races that have these deep histories that are all interconnected, that have gone to war against one another, that have worked with one another, just that have been on or off the council and want back mm. on or, you know, don't want this group on. And to basically have that, to be a character who's running around trying to create some solidarity in the universe. Yeah. I, I loved that. And I, I felt yeah. like, yeah, I felt like that moment with Ashley was one of those moments that is kind of, this is what's happening. It's impacting the crew on a personal level. I think one of the best ways to talk about Mass Effect 3 is is, is a word you've used before, is moments. There were moments in Mass Effect 3 that were just so huge. Rather than so Mass Effect 2, I think, start to finish as a story, it is the best one told in the trilogy. In terms of the mechanical execution, start to finish, hero's journey. Plus the ending is just mm, so good. But with three, there are these moments that ground the whole trilogy. And for me, it's not as much the politicking. It's the little, like, for lack of a better term, human moments. Morden. I think Morden's finale. There's a particular ending. And th this is one of the things. I, as much as I love the diversity of options in Mass Effect, there's there are times when it frustrates me. Because at times... There are, to me, I think some of the best lines that you have to really maneuver to get. And that's the case with Morden. Morden, he, in Mass Effect 2, a brilliant scientist. I love him. He's so good. He, he sings, is the very model of a scientist celebrity. Oh, his sure. song is so... He sings this rendition of... Um, what is it? it Modern it, Major Gil General. Yeah. He, he sings this redone version from, of Modern Major General. Wait, from, from the Pirates Penzance. of Penzance? There's... He's actually a pretty big Penzance fan because he has a Krogan <laughs> Queen song that comes in in ME3. Oh, that's right! <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, it's this alien singing a, a scientist, like, redone version of that song, and it's great. But And so well, when he sacrifices his life to cure the genophage at the end, one of the, the most commonly seen endings is, you know, he's, you know, he's scared, but he's doing it, and he sings that song, and his, he, he ends with, you know, I am the very model of a scientist Solarian. There's a different moment that I think... I wish it was the default one. I think what you have to do to get it is you have to, you choose different dialogues and then you you tell him, you know, a, a reveal or you tell him something at the end. There's a way to craft this ending. But what he does is, you know, for context, to prevent a war with the Krogan and the rest of the galaxy, they had, you know, Slarian and, and Turian, just different alien races put together. The Genophage, which was a way of effectively making the Krogan race all but infertile so that they could not expand and just wipe out other races. Well, and pretty Morden, horrifically, I don't oh. think that it's even necessarily that they're infertile so much as that they miscarry. Oh, no, like, I believe true. there's they a do. moment where Eve describes like seeing bodies and it's like, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, and she talks. It's yeah, just heart-wrenching. It, it's this point where the Krogan have been this bloodthirsty race, but they didn't deserve this horror, this curse given to them. No. And Morden, you come to find out, was one of the chief creators of the... No, no, he didn't Well, he was one of the people it, who basically... He modified it. He worked yeah, on it. He was he, proud he of his work. He kept it working. 
Right. He kept that's right. He kept it working. And then between two and three, he really has this moral moment where he's like, no, what I did was wrong. I yeah. it was wrong for me to have done this to the to the Krogan in spite of what they did this was unacceptable and so his whole yeah. arc is he changes and he 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 wants to undo his legacy in 3 the ending that i love is after he's done all of this and you see his arc and his redemption arc i think is so well done he goes up you know to to this final tower to on the on the krogan's home planet to disperse the cure as it's falling to pieces around him as he's sacrificing his life and his final line is genophage cured krogan free new beginning for all of us. There's something about that moment where mm. he's just, you know, the last thing he does in his life is he just, he undoes his sin of the past and he starts new. See, Morden, apart from being just, I think having the best arc in the series, one thing that uh, he does, have you played through the Citadel DLC? No, I have not. Okay. Um, do you mind a tiny spoiler? No, not at all. I've seen okay. enough of the, the DLC okay, to know cool. some of the arc, uh, basically. One of my favorite moments of the DLC is after you throw a party, uh, just kind of with your crew, and you can play it as a last hurrah, or you can, and you know, before you go into the final part, or you can finish the game and kind of go back and play the Citadel DLC as a farewell. And there are some mods that will even, like, kind of let you treat it as an epilogue. I have no idea in what universe the Citadel would be just fine after that ending. But there's a moment where you find, I want to say Datapad, because I've been play, replaying Knights of the Old Republic. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, you find basically a little uh, file that's just sitting in like a random area of Shepard's apartment. And on it, there are four or five audio recordings. Oh, I think I might have seen Morden. this before. And there a few, most of them are like, you know, him on kind of science talk show, Bill Nye type things, just some pretty entertaining recordings of that. Right. And then you get to the final, the final part. And the first time I played through, um, I wasn't aware that this was there, I don't think. But I kind of just kept clicking because I'm like, I want, I want more Morden content. What are all these logs? Here. Yeah. And the very final log is just him singing Amazing Grace. Oh. And to me, that was the farewell of the entire series. I don't know because if I've seen that, but now I need to see it. Beautiful moment. I, I was, I, yeah. Oh. You know, if someone says like, "Why all these different games? Why Mass Effect? Like, what about Mass Effect sticks out to me? Like, why do I love this trilogy so much?" And there's oh, all these the different characters. reasons. It's it's the characters, yeah, and more than that, it's the way that that's done. Because yep. so often for games and games, what I love about what well, there's so many things I love about games, but the thing is, it, it's it's such a young medium compared to mm. film, compared to to writing, compared to to music, theater, all that. It's a young medium. It's still trying to, to figure out what what it is, how it does its thing. And so many games go into, you know, the, the there's this big, bad alien race, you know, go out and like, you know, just, just kill all the aliens, basically. It's uh, it's about big set pieces, big spectacle, and not that much character. And the moments that stick with me in Mass Effect, there's definitely those big moments. But it's the emotional character. Like, again, you're dealing with many races. It's the human yeah. element. It's this element of, you know, Morden, this scientist who has 
I mean, The Amazing Grace was was written by a man who you know was was a slave, a, a slave, so a slave driver, yeah, yeah. and he experienced a change in his life, and he repented from that. Morden in this fictional universe is a scientist who brought this scientific plague upon this race, had a change of heart, and that's part of where Amazing Grace comes into that. You see yeah. that moment. I think of. The it is the, the perfect send-off. Oh, for it's so good. Three does this so well because you're dealing with, you know, the, it would be so easy for them to just go dark and depressing. They have that, but they also have, there's there's hope still throughout that and there's emotional comfort there too. Yeah. I also love the play, you know, the playthrough of the, uh, the 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 story between the Quarians and the Geth. You know, the Quarians, this oh, yeah. brilliant, brilliant scientific race that accidentally creates this virtual intelligence. And what starts off the conflict there is the virtual intelligence looks at a creator and it says, does this unit have a soul? And this mm -hmm. question of collective in individuality, intention, and you, in the first game, you know, you're so used to like, yeah, the robot's, you know, Skynet, they they <laughs> raised up arms against the masters. No, yeah. not really. There was a sympathetic side to this race who said, "We don't, we don't want to harm our creators. We we can't understand the magnitude of that. So even though they well, hurt us, they've tried to kill that. us. We're not going to respond in kind. We just want to live." And there's all these moments throughout the trilogy. I think that's what sticks with it because so few games really have the time to do that. So many games are all about, and this is really starting to change, I think, is they're about like big fight to big fight to big fight, you know, boss battle to boss battle to boss battle. And they don't take the time to breathe. Mass yeah. Effect in its trilogy, some of its best moments were when it took the time to breathe, to deal with exactly. hope, despair, grief, and deal well, with that. Well, and this isn't necessarily, you know, this might this is a different podcast, but that's part of my struggle with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that it does at mm -hmm. a certain point it started feeling like we had these great characters and now they're just smashing action figures together. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's the obligatory smashing action figures together scene. I would say that even as I'm like, oh, I love the politicking, um, I can look at franchises like I'm reading dune you know i've i love mm. some of the star wars extended stuff if it's just galactic politics i really don't care that if the sand if, if, i don't care if the spice must flow you know um <laughs> if i want to play a I, truly politicking <laughs> game we'll, we'll, we'll i'll play civilization yeah but it's the <laughs> human the politics, moments, no story you go to a table where you're trying to negotiate a peace between the Turians and the Krogan and explain why it benefits both of them. But the Krogan at the table is a dear friend of yours who you have mm. like a vested interest in his people. But at the same time, you have really close Turian allies and you want to try and ensure that that's working. So it's even in that it's personal. Well, and even looking at the whole idea of Grunt as basically Shepard's adopted child, there comes a time in ME2 where she basically goes, or they, where Shepard basically goes, I don't have an answer for whatever Krogan puberty this kid's going through. And <laughs> you, take him passage, back yeah. to the, you take him back to the planet Tachanka um, and face a Thresher Ma on foot, which is just so fantastic. Mm. And I appreciate that.
and that mm. that's in there. It's not just, oh yeah, no, I can I can raise a Krogan. It's a deal of, oh shoot, I need to ask some Krogans what's actually right. what, what's like, going on. What's yeah. going on here? Yeah. What I what's been hitting me about as in my most recent playthrough with you know the Krogan and the Geth specifically is these are two races in the the history or in in in, in the the world building that so much of the galaxy considers them bloodthirsty monsters. They can't change. Mm. All they want is war and carnage and destruction. And the question that it poses is. Really? Are they though? Hmm. Because yeah, yeah. They, they've done plenty of bad things, but are they really just monsters? And especially with the Krogan, it really dives deep into that of, you know, some of them have done bad things. They've also been dealt a horrible hand. And in their past, yeah. they were once a noble race. And there are those like Rex or 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 Eve, you know, Bakara is her chosen Krogan name that they want to say, no, this is who we are as a people. We are not going to be the monsters that that the galaxy thinks we are, or at times that we have leaned into. We are yeah. going to choose to be different. And seeing that push, it's not just rare in games. That's a rare storytelling element too. Like the concept of redemption is not really pushed as it's much. Like redemption and hope is not a common theme as much as I wish it would be. I've definitely seen, you know, the, oh, we're, we're now friends with this enemy, but Mass Effect doesn't do that. It, mm -hmm. It's even when you do befriend Legion, who is one of the Geth, it doesn't feel like, oh, actually, you know what? We duked it out and now we're, we're totally cool with the Geth. Like you have yeah. to, you have to question, oh, what was the objective of this group of people I was just, you know, plowing through in the first game? Mm. Um, I really enjoy how it's handled. I love the stories and the histories. The amount of lore in these games is ridiculous. Just it's crazy. I, yeah, I feel like I'm approaching. I, I feel like I'm approaching something like Star Trek that has many more years. And I've heard the comparison between the Krogan and the Klingon quite a bit. I can see ultimately, that. Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, what the Krogan are asking for is a seat at the galactic table. They were part of the council, and then they were removed from the council and then they had their rights just completely violated mm. and you know just because the salarians and the asari you know come across as more calm cool collected and scientific doesn't mean that they're good people all the time yeah and because the i mean the turians are incredibly militaristic and much though i love garrus there is some real abuse of our cop dynamics happening in like the first game. Yeah, and it, it's like it, no, Garrett, uh, stop that. <laughs> have we all read uh, Redwall? Yes. Oh yeah. You know how yes, the Red Redwall. <laughs> yes. The, oh man. Yes. Sorry, well, that, but that's the thing. So often in when they when a race is created, they are all effectively monolithic, except yep. for maybe Planet like the, the one who happens to join with you. I oh, liked boy. how in yeah. Mass Effect. There was clearly a theme for most of the races, but they were all over the place. And oh, yeah. in big parts, yeah, like there was, and in ways that I think almost made sense. In the mm -hmm. whole thing with the Genophage, you know, the Solarian, the Solarian govern, government was very much against them. We, we uplifted the Krogan for their battle prowess, not for their diplomacy. No, how can you undo the Genophage? Meanwhile, the military and other scientists were saying, nah. Are you kidding? First of all, no. A lot of us have really started to doubt if what we did was right in the first place. Secondly, um, maybe you haven't noticed the galaxy's at war with the Reapers, and you're over here we really squabbling over that. The Krogan. We 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 need the Krogan. Like, 
A, what we did was probably wrong. B, um, there's bigger wars at play and we're not going to, you know, die on this hill. So, yeah, and I think and, Rex even makes that observation of the amount of times that we've fought for you or helped you or saved the galaxy, and this is how we're treated. Oh, I loved, I loved it because Rex is your friend, but when he calls out the Turians, the Salarians, the, oh, yeah. the Asari on how they've treated his people, you're like, he's right. He's right like, to oh, not trust you. Know, you know, you got a point. Well, and <laughs> there's a great moment even in uh, – even okay, there's a moment where you're talking to like the little xenophobic uh, Earth First kind of uh, – Terra Firma organization and MA1. Oh, yeah. And if you go into that conversation with Garrus and they're talking about the first contact war, at one point he says, um, he's like, well, humanity was like a child playing with a gun. We had to stop them. And one of the Terra Firma guys goes, you don't normally, if you see a child playing with a gun, you don't normally shoot that child to stop them. Oh, I think I might and it's remember this. this. Great oh, yeah. moment of like, I don't love the terra firma guys, but he kind of got you, Garrus. Oh my gosh, yeah. And <laughs> see, why, why, why do we love Mass Effect? It's things like these. There are so many. Yeah. There was so much built into this world that just sparks conversation. In terms of favorite things, I've talked about the different races. I love the Elcor. Oh my gosh, the Elcor. So the Elcor, and I, I'm, I would imagine maybe the Elcor have like some the basis. Uh, we're we're kind of we're kind of uh, meandering. Sorry, Kendra. We're you need to listen to Mass Effect Inventum. There's a great Elcor character who comes oh, in in season Elcor. two. Elcor, like uh, you know, world building. I love the Elcor. The Elcor are like small elephants without trunks. That's kind of what they look like. So as mm -hmm. a race, they are immaculately, like almost imperceptibly subtle in their expressions to each other, to where you know it's described that you know compared to how Elcor as a race speak to each other, the expressiveness of human faces and vocal inflection is a fireworks display of just <laughs> over the top emotion. Um, and so to the rest of the galaxy, they're completely deadpan. You can't understand them expressing it. They all speak in a monotone. They're completely and yeah, expressively, the and they can't be understood. They're basically Eeyore, but like think less emotion. But so to compensate, Elcor always preface their statements with the emotion. Excitedly, happy birthday to you, my friend. I hope today is a good day. And it's, but it's, it's great just, because you'll get dubiously are you certain of this information <laughs> and you're like <laughs> you or sarcastically uh, it's just so I great i love it when they say you know excitedly and i'm like you don't sound excited one bit you know but what it reminds their, me of is when theme. you're uh it reminds me of there's a there's a hymn that we used to sing in church that was like i'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned and at the church i grew up in you would just have a bunch of people sitting down going so i'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned oh, and i'm my, like oh my you're gosh so right. i also like this hymn that i heard only at one church song where they wait they, i forget the exact term of it but it was you know you're singing the hymn you have the lines and it, it says something about you know so here silently i'll stand and i'm like but we're, we're singing. singing. You're singing. I'm. I remember my dad actually made a comment. He was like, "Huh, interesting song. Kind of odd to be singing about how you will silently stand." So okay. You know, one of the things you talked about before that I think would be interesting, which goes into you know the 
the concept of free choice. You said like free will and why having rogue choices adds weight to that. Because one mm -hmm. thing that people can say, you know, about games, a concern that I've heard raised, which I think is a fair concern, um, is, well, what is the defense of a story or a medium that gives you the option to make evil choices? Because we'll take, you know, we can look at the good choices made and we can defend that. What's the thought about where you, you can ch make a bad choice? What's the thought there? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. I'd be yeah. curious, to, Corey, to hear your thoughts first, because I do have I do have mine, but I want to hear it from you first. OK, now I would say that one thing that it definitely lent was a weight to the decision making, because it is one thing to go through and, you know, just play the Paragon goody two shoes. Um, but to basically know, as you're dealing with an incredibly infuriating character, I could push this guy out a window. Mm. I now have to make the decision. Am I going to push this man out of a window? Um, and having that option when you then don't push him out of the window or don't take this shot. Um, if you are playing full Paragon to me, that lends, that lends more weight to those decisions because it feels like a decision you actually got to make. I would also say that I've done, you know, a research paper back in college on the link between video games and violence, which really is not there uh, in the mm -hmm. way that I basically expected it to be from uh, mm -hmm. the very Christian school I grew up at. And yeah, I, I would say that, you know, most people, if given the option, in video in a video game you know would you like to kill this entire family and shoot the baby are probably not going to and there are plenty of situations where the game itself will punish you for that sort of behavior i think there's ways of doing it that don't necessarily glorify it and that's one thing i love about mass effect is that you get some ribbing from the people that you're around either going wow, Shepard, you know, you, you really bit that person's head off. Or, you know, if you play the full Paragon route, there's a point where you see Jack and she's like, oh my gosh, it's it's the leader of the scouts. Um, <laughs> I, I remember So that you case. get commentary. You get commentary you on your actions. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Oh, there's kind of two things built into that. One is, you know, how does Mass Effect itself deal with it? The other one is more medium-centric, which is, well, you have a medium that allows you this choice. What do you think? I agree in, in Mass Effect. Huh, there were there were times where you're like, okay, you got away with chewing someone out, being a jerk, and I don't, me personally, like those, but the game really doesn't say anything. There are other times yeah. where the game effectively chastises you, like what you were saying, where they're like, mm -hmm. whoa, Shepard, gee, why you Where effectively the authors gave you this choice and they chastise you for doing it. It's like, yeah, we gave you this choice mm -hmm. because the con the, the the medium is sold on making choice, but why did you make this choice? So there there is that there is something to be said. And this goes into the conversation should be asked, but I don't think that it should be avoided just because you could choose to make something make a bad choice, because it all depends on what's the author doing. I mean, the idea of having a protagonist make bad choices that are then called out as bad choices, well, that goes back to the Greek tragedies. That's been an element of storytelling mm. since we, since people, humanity has ever told stories. This is just another effect of it. The question is, how well does it deal with it? The answer is, it's a mix. There are some things where, yeah, you can go be evil and we don't punish you for it. Well, 
okay, I think that's bad storytelling. That doesn't mean that the whole thing should be discarded. There's one moment in particular in Mass Effect that I think you make a bad choice, like what I, what I would call evil, and the game goes out of its way to tear you to pieces. With yeah. you know, We were talking about Morden, you know, going in on Tuchanka to, to sacrifice his life to save the Krogan. You do have the option in that scene to stop him and kill him. If yeah. you do that, the scene doesn't just end. The scene goes up where he, where Morden goes to the top of the tower and he's you know, he, he's broken just trying to crawl his way to the console. And it's the, it's the camera focuses on this. The music it's is so it's, brutal. It's a betrayal. I'll be honest with you. I have not been able to watch that all the way I've through. I've watched either. that. I can't play that, but I've watched that yeah. scene. It's brutal. And they played it so well. You are not supposed to make that decision. Yeah, the entire exactly. point of that is to punish you for making that choice. It was the wrong call. You are the villain. Yeah. And it makes no this apologies was, this for This was it. wrong. Exactly. No, it's, it's subjectively a wrong thing you did. You mentioned the Greek tragedies. I would say that's pre-Greek tragedies. It's just part of the lived mm. human experience oh, yeah. to basically have the choice of evil yeah. and then have to make the decision to do good. I think we can all on some level, on some level, I know we can, think about a decision we made in our life when we couldn't, you know, we came to a fork in the road. And we're not, I'm not talking like a big, like good, bad moral decision. I'm talking about a decision where we had two or more choices in front of us, but two choices. We picked one and we look back and we realize how different our life would have been. And I think we've all experienced that moment of, I'm so glad I made this choice because of, you know, X, Y, Z something you experienced, some you met, something that happened to you. Uh, but you could that you could not have known when you made the decision originally. Mass Effect, even though you know it's it's a fictional universe and you can always go back and replay choices, there are moments in that where you make a decision and you choose to do something, you know, like the good choice, so to speak. And you see the consequences of that play out later. Yeah. specifically in ways there's one ending in particular uh the ending of ranok where you bring peace to the geth korean war the only way that ending happens is if you intervene at the right moments if you listen to the right you know people and crewmates between mass effect 2 maybe some even decisions in the first it's this hard ending to get that you can only get because of key decisions that you made earlier. And you hit this moment of, wow, it all came together. And you realize how different things would have been if you had made this decision differently or that one. And the impact of that moment comes from realizing my choice mattered. And the only way the choices can matter is if you have decisions from a wide range. I think that there's, you know, again, there's, there's a good question to be raised of, what if you know, you're know you given the option to do something bad? Fair question depends on how the authors deal with it. The moments where you realize you made the right choice and you're rewarded for that, there's something I think that's worth valuing and digging into deeper. Um, as people who you know play or acknowledge the stories, but also, I'll throw this out there too, for people who want to write, for people who want to create stories, oh, our yeah. mediums are going in different places, and there's a there's a a gravitas for authorship there that I do think a lot of games have failed at. 
but I think there's a lot of potential there that is just dying to be explored. The few minute, the few times when I have just glimpsed into this as players, you know, and Corey's experienced this too, when that's been done right, oh, it's powerful. Callan, are you a writer? No. Okay. He knows a lot of writers. I do. I do. And in terms of writing, I, it's one of those things where I think, you know, maybe I could do it someday. But one of the things that, that I love doing is, is, is looking into stories and breaking down how like they're, they're done, how the craft of it is and like bits and pieces. I've seen, you know, people break down storytelling. It's more like things that I've looked at or, or picked up or then thought over myself. And when it comes to games, this has been my medium of choice for, <laughs> I mean, a long time. <laughs> and I've known you a long time. <laughs> yeah. This has been at least 15 years. Something like, yeah, it, it's yeah. been a while. It's, it's been just, a while. Something about this has always gotten my attention. I don't think we've yet had, like in movies we talk about, you know, we have Dune, we have Citizen Kane, we have Star Wars, we have these yeah. big moments. I don't think games have gotten there yet. We're getting close. I think Mass Effect is in there. I think uh, Halo, the original Halo truly is in there. Um, God of War, the specifically the, the newest one, there's things there. So we're getting to that point where we will have like our our big storytelling pillars. The magic of gaming is being able to choose and step in. And the movies and, 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 and like theater, they're separate. You just watch things. Although theater is a setting when done right, the connection that the audience can have with the characters can be so almost personal to where you're you're there experiencing it games as a medium are just so different because it's not just like lord of the rings i love lord of the rings but when i talk and when i talk about people about that you know it's fun to talk about the story but when i'm just talking about mass effect with you it's not the same because we yeah. went through that we experienced those moments with those characters it seems like a subtle thing but if you've played games you understand the difference. It's the yeah. difference between you know, seeing a story happen or just watching it versus being there. It's subtle, but you notice it. It's powerful. And that's where I think the magic of gaming comes in, where the stories and the characters can hit you a little more personally and stick with you. Please, if you are able, play Mass Effect. It's available through Steam if you're a PC gamer. It's available on other platforms if you're another kind of gamer, I say, as a PC gamer. And if you can't play it at all, then I do recommend watching. Like, the link that Callan placed is a good place to start because mm -hmm. it's an incredible story. It is. And of course, you know, as with all stories, you know, I preface, you know, I preface this. If you want to know, you know, ahead of time, all right. What's the content like in here? What what are what are we seeing? Um, and again, because it's you know a game, there's so many different things and choices, interactions you can have that you don't choose. So if you're wondering what's the content, look at the rating. You know, look at reviews. I do personally, you know, think Plugged In Online still has theirs. And the uh, reason I like Plugged, plugged in. in, I don't always agree with their conclusion on you know the the value of a particular piece. What's earned my respect about Plugged In? is they do their homework. My my personal brief content warning, um, are they M? Are they, they are. They, they are M. Yeah. Uh, for someone who's not familiar with that system, think of it as... Uh, R. Personally, I would put Mass Effect as like, for me personally, I would say the boundary between PG-13 and R that has more F-words than, uh, you know, PG-13. Yes. Um, just as a heads up, you there is language, there are 
you know, depending on how you play it, there are some sex scenes, uh, just whatever people's comfort level is. Um, right. Plugged in will get you there, but that's they to give will. you an idea. They will. Yeah. Thank you both so, so much for talking Thank about you for having us. This. Thank, Thank you, you, Kendra. I love hearing about how passionate you are about this and the depth of sport of and the depth of the story that can be conveyed through video games. That's something I've always appreciated about my friendship with Callan is because of Callan, I appreciate video games as an art form. Thank you so much for listening to the Patchwork Girl and Friends. I hope you enjoy the artwork I make for each and every episode, which you can see on social media like Instagram and Facebook. You can support the podcast on Patreon. And don't forget to send me a random quote using the Anchor app.